You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Uh, and as Mandy said, we're doing a series uh, in, in Birmingham called Bodybuilding. And uh, looking at me, you can probably figure out it's not about the physical workout, but uh, a spiritual workout. Uh, the idea that, that God really, God's intent and God's plan today is to use all of us in the church to really build up the body of Christ. and uh, But there's a process. You know, healthy people uh, produce healthy families, whether that's a, a nuclear family or whether that's a family group, which ultimately produces a healthy church. And um, we've been doing this now, uh, and it's been very encouraging. And I was sharing about this with Ken, and Ken asked me to share a few thoughts uh, from that series uh, to add what you guys are doing, uh, you know, this summer. So we're going to read Ephesians uh, chapter 4. Uh, verses 1 through 16. We're just going to jump into the text here. I uh, appreciate Ken, uh, you know, stating how important the Word of God is. And uh, I'm a little nervous now to preach to you, but I'll do my best. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll talk about context here in a moment. We'll pick it up here in verse 1. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Chapter 4, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But, verse 7, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when He ascended on high, He took many captives and gave gifts to His people. Paul goes on to say, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. And uh, Ken was talking about theology. You can dive into a lot of theology uh, from verse 8 uh, through 10. I won't have time to get into all that tonight. But he goes on in verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, verse 14, we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's a great, rich, vast uh, text of Scripture. And we've been digging into this, as I said, uh, uh, back in England. And uh, we've actually, um, we're doing eight, eight sermons on Sundays from the 16 verses. And we're about halfway through, so it's kind of halftime right now, if you will, uh, for our study uh, of this great text. And so we've been digging through the scriptures. Uh, we're having midweek uh, discussions. Every Sunday we have a list of questions from the scriptures we studied. And then at the midweeks we're, we're just literally discussing what we just learned from in God's Word uh, with deliberate questions uh, in our family groups. Sunday mornings before church starts, our deacons, we have five deacons in the Birmingham church we recently appointed, which is great. It's another bit of good news to share. Um, 
they're meeting with uh, the the church uh, for coffee and just to see what are the needs in the church and, and especially along the lines of bodybuilding. And they're getting feedback from the church as well uh, every Sunday morning. Uh, and then once a month, the family groups are getting together outside of that. Uh, and they're really talking about where am I at individually uh, and am I committed really to being a healthy part of this local church body uh, to really move forward. And so we're hoping really the whole process. I made this myself. I know it's quite a design. Um <laughs> It looks like my eight-year-old made it, but I actually made that on my iPad. Uh, bear with me. But obviously the point is, is quite clear. We're, we're, we're starting with a broad stroke. We're looking at, at biblical truth and principles from God's Word. Uh, but then we have to take that, you know, hermeneutics, as Ken talked about, uh, into our personal lives and, and, and our groups and really reflect on that and think about it. And, and discuss it, but we're hoping then that the wedge will come down to a point in our individual lives where we have we have conviction, and if we have conviction based on the Bible, then we'll have unity. Because we in the Birmingham Church have really been striving uh, to be a more unified whole body for Christ. And there's so many schemes and strategies in my sinful nature that I want to use to bring us together, but there's nothing more powerful than us all looking at Christ, hearing His Word, and coming to conviction on those points. And so far, it's been it's been incredible. It's been so encouraging. Uh, and I just want to share with you two big ideas from this text here tonight uh, to kind of inspire you guys and help you guys. Because I, I have no idea where you're at. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't given insight on the church here, so I can kind of use this to help you get somewhere. I I, I know we're in West LA. I know uh, I'm eight hours I'm eight hours ahead in, in on England time, and uh, I'm slightly over my jet lag. And then hopefully somehow uh, this will translate and correlate uh, to you individually. And even more importantly, you collectively as a local church body here in West L.A. And so two big ideas here from the text to help us bodybuild in the church. The first one is just simply motivation. Amen. To bodybuild in the church, we must have the right motivation. Uh, this is all about context, actually. Back to Ephesians 4, uh, verse 1, uh, Paul simply states there, As a prisoner for the Lord, then... Other translations say, therefore, that's another way to translate that Greek word, then or therefore, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What's interesting is this is actually the first command in the whole letter. So Paul has talked for three straight chapters to the church and he hasn't told them to do anything. And if you go back through the first three chapters, what he's talked about over and over again, and we'll review it here in a moment, is all that God has done. For them and all that God is doing through them and all that God is going to do for them in the future. So it's not there's no imperative in the Greek until chapter four, verse one. And so to get the calling you have received in chapter four, verse one, really, you got to first get God's grace in your life. The original letter, of course, would have been written uh, likely to the church in Ephesus, why we call it uh, the letter to the Ephesians. But it would have been, of course, a letter read in one setting, right? They didn't have, you know, chapters and verses back then, and it would have been delivered on some kind of scroll. And so if you time how long it would take probably to read through uh, up to chapter 4, verse 1, it would have taken probably about five and a half to six minutes uh, already. And we actually did this on the first Sunday. Uh, we had a, a different brother or sister read from, from chapter 1 of the message of Ephesians, so the paraphrased version of Ephesians, just for something fresh. Chapter 2 from Ephesians and chapter 3. And so we just sat there as a church and we were just kind of soaking it in. And, and, and I was a little nervous about that because, because typically I, I read the text and then I preach it, but we just, we just read it. And people were, were, were just thinking and, 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 and amening. And, and it was just inspiring just, just to do that. 
And then uh, it concludes in the message version, chapter 4, verse 1, in light of all this, here's what I want you to do. And the reason I think that's so important is, is we have to, we have to work as Christians. We're designed to work and to build up the body, all of us, uh, collectively. But the question is, why? And, and where does that motivation come from? You know, because of God, it, it's quite clear in the book of Ephesians, we're not saved by work, right? We're not saved from work. We're actually saved for work. We're saved for work. And that's what Paul's trying to emphasize, I think, in this transition from chapters 1 through 3 to chapter 4, verse 1. And chapters 4 through 6 really only makes sense completely in light of chapters 1 through 3. And what I love about chapters 1 through 3 is when you read it, it, it it's, not, it's not just a God who loves us, it's a God who likes us. It's a God who likes us and, and believes in us and has showered us with incredible, incredible gifts. And, and, and why am I emphasizing this? Well, I bet if I asked you to give me scriptures that you know offhand, does anybody have a scripture memorized? Don't look at your, your Bible now. Does anybody have a scripture memorized from Ephesians? What scripture? What scripture? Just a, a chunk or a verse or... Submit to one another. Submit to one another. Yeah, that's in, that's in chapter 5, right? Yeah. Be strong in the Lord and in His might. Be strong in the Lord. That's chapter 6, yeah. Yeah, that's chapter 4, right? Yeah. Anybody else think of one off the top of their head? Put on the full armor of God, chapter 6 again, yeah. Wives, you know, husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands, chapter 5. Children, obey your parents, amen. Parents, yeah, you know. But it's funny, all the passages we know, we're very familiar with, they're all from chapters 4 through 6. Because our tendency in, in default mode as Christians is just, it's just a, yeah, yeah, but what do I need to do? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate all the stuff about God. That's great, chapters 1 through 3, but, but I want to know the bottom line here. What do I need to do? And our faith starts to turn into a, a default faith, right? R- rather than a faith that is determined already because of who God is and what He's already done for us. And there's some incredible stuff in chapters 1 through 3. Uh, you know, chapter 1, verse 3 says, every, We have every spiritual blessing already in Christ. So everything is already covered that we need spiritually speaking. Chapter 1, verses 7 through 8 says, you know, God has planned and chosen to send Christ to atone for all of our sins. And he uses this phrase that he's lavished us with his grace. Chapter 1, verse 13, he sealed us with his Holy Spirit. Uh, he, you know, he signed on the dotted line, you know, for us already through the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 talks about this transformation. We were dead and, and, you know, we were like that roadkill you drove by on the way here tonight. But then somehow we were transformed and made alive in Christ. Chapter 2, verses 6 through 10 says we were raised up, seated, prepared with, and through, and, and, and now we're through Christ where we need to be. And I don't even know what that means, but it's an exciting idea that somehow we're, we're in this state now with Christ, uh, spiritually speaking. Chapter 2, verse 18 talks about this access that we now have with these, these backstage passes to God. Uh, before this, if you wanted to get close to God, the priest was sent where God was in the temple to the Holy of Holies only once a year, right? To make atonement for all the sins of the people. And what did they do? They tied a rope around his ankle because they thought, man, he might mess up and, and drop dead and want we'll to pull him out. But now it says we have complete access to this most holy God uh, through, through what Jesus has done for us. And then he goes on in chapter 3. Paul speaks of, of the grace he has received. 
And then he starts to talk about how he's now praying for them. And it all kind of comes to this epic crescendo, you know, and the, and the epic music can start, you know, dun, 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 you know, and then, and then chapter, chapter three, verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen, he says, right? And then, and then chapter 4, verse 1, the first command is given, right? To live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You know, it's, it's here is what I do to please God versus here is what I do because I'm already pleasing to God. And those are two completely, completely different motivations. But it's still easy, as I said, and I'm, I'm guilty of this myself, to approach God with, with, with grit, with determination. What can I do to be worthy? If I do this, then, then God will be pleased. But this is putting the cart before the horse. You know, we don't need to work to stoke the fire to get fired up. No, no, the fire has been stoked already. By God's incredible love, by God's incredible spirit, by all that we get to see and already experience from chapters 1 through 3. So then we can be fired up then to obey God in chapters 4 through 6. And yes, amen, if all else fails, I will obey. Yes. But again, as I said, that, that's default faith. That's not a destined faith. That's a bottom line. And Ephesians, it has this flow. You are worthy. Chapters 1 through 3, therefore, chapters 4 through 6, you can do all that God wants you to do. And a big part of that begins in chapter 4 with this idea of, of we can all participate in building up this great church body. Uh, I've been a Christian now for 23 years. Uh, I became a Christian in uh, Cincinnati, my first year of uh, university there. And we've been serving in the full-time ministry, my wife and I, uh, for about 20 years now almost. And, uh, you know, I can say one thing. I've learned a lot, and, and it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And you got to stay motivated statistically as a Christian for a long time, right? And we've been able to do ministry uh, all around the world now. It's been quite a journey for us in Ohio and Virginia. Then we got to go to Australia. We work with the churches in Papua New Guinea. I got to work with the church in the highlands of Papua New Guinea and the church in Fiji. And then we got to come to the UK and working with churches in England and Scotland and, and Ireland. That was my profile picture from the Cliffs of Moore there that, that Ken hacked. Uh, it's a great spot there in Ireland. Um, <laughs> And, and honestly, you know, there's there's this great mystique about being a missionary, you know, and, and Ken and his wife would know, you know, you get to, it's kind of glorious, you know, and you get so excited to go out and do great things for God, but but it's amazing how, you know, uh, the grass seems greener on the other side, and it literally kind of is in the UK, but um, get a lot of rain there, but... But, but at the end of the day, that, the excitement, the, the, the outcome, the, the zeal that, that, that you think you're going to get to go out and do something great for God, it's not enough to sustain what it's going to take to build up the body wherever we are uh, in, our, in our walk with God and in life. And so we must get and stay motivated by God's grace and God's grace alone. And God has really been teaching me that uh, in Birmingham. And I think as a church, we're really trying to mature in that way. And I believe a healthy church has to really get grace. And I think the book of Ephesians really teaches that uh, clearly and strongly. Uh, an example from my own life, you know, um, I, uh, I try to work out in the gym a few times a week. You can't tell, but I, I try to, you know, lift a little bit. Um, and, uh, 
And honestly, you know, I go in there, it's like bare minimum workout. I call it the beach workout. You know, you just want to keep a little bit of muscular form. And uh, I got kind of a bad back. I'm 42 and, you know, and uh, not complaining, I'm just saying. And uh, so so I just, I don't really, I'm not super motivated, but but I'm motivated enough to go do it, right? And and then I work out with, with a brother, Hugh, and he's like, he's like super motivated. So he, you know, he, he makes me work out harder than I would, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't have him there. Uh, but, but it's just, it's just not inspiring, you know, for me. And I just, I'm just not really that, that excited, but I do it anyway, right? Um, but then I love the game of basketball. Anybody here play basketball? I used to play it better than I do now, but I still love to play. And then I don't know what Kenny would say about my game. We played a few times when he was out, but, uh, you know, and, 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 and no one, I don't need anybody. To tell me to go play basketball. I don't need anybody screaming at me when I'm on the court. I don't need anybody tell me I gotta play hard to win. I'm just motivated. I just love basketball. And when I get up there, I wanna play to win. I don't, I don't need any help at all. And, and I think I bring this up because, you know, it's the idea of intrinsic motivation versus intrinsic motivation in our faith. And I believe the things that are gonna, gonna really build the church up long term and the things that are gonna create a greater and greater church here in West LA, they're intrinsic. They're things that God's already put inside of you. The things that God's already done for you. And those are things we have to stay motivated by. And the extrinsic things can help. We need to sharpen each other. We need to have those discussions. We need to disciple one another. All those things help, but they're, they're not enough. They're not enough to sustain long term body building. We can only truly build the body for the long haul with intrinsic motivation. And that is the lovely, pure, inspiring, transforming, and amazing grace of God. Great quote I came across when I was studying out some of these concepts by some French guy's name I can't pronounce, but it's great. He says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up the men to gather wood, divide the work, and give orders. Instead, teach them to yearn for the vast and endless sea. The Christian life is only truly lived out. The body is only fully built as we yearn for the vast and endless sea of God's love and grace. Where do you tonight need to get God's grace more as a Christian? And how might this change you? How might this change the church when you do? So to build the body, you need the right motivation. And second, finally here, you need the right materials. You also need the right materials. You know, in verses uh, 1 through 16, uh, you can identify, it's debatable how many, but I believe there's about eight uh, bodybuilding materials, if you will, uh, here in the text uh, that God has already provided. He's already provided these materials, you know, spiritually they're sitting in lows, right? And, and we, and we have a credit card with, with, you know, unlimited, you know, credit, you know, and we just gotta go and grab these things and use them in the church, and God will use them to really build up, uh, the church. Another great illustration of mine, I've really been on a roll here, uh, is this. I took these eight, uh, these eight concepts, um, and my wife is really proud, and, uh, I can do an autograph print up later if you want it, but, um, Hopefully you can see this, you know, the idea here, right? It's, it's Jesus is the head of the, of the body, which is the church, and verse 15 states that in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Uh, but then you kind of see these, you know, these, these eight, uh, materials or these eight building blocks, uh, that, that God uses to really build up the church. The first one we already saw in verse 1 in chapter 4 is, is this idea of life. God uses this, this life that we're to live to build up the church. Uh, what life is that? Well, it's a, it's a life of discipleship. It's a life patterned and shaped after Jesus Christ himself, because no one 
has lived a more perfect life than Jesus, right? No one lived life better than Jesus. He's the perfect model, the perfect example. So Hebrews 12, 2 says we, we fix our eyes on Jesus, right? And that's how we find out how to live life. We just recently, Mandy and I celebrated 18 years. Actually, uh, just this past Monday, we were packing up to come here, uh, for our anniversary. And, uh, and, uh, you know, it, it's amazing to be married, uh, as a Christian and, 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 and I, we have a great marriage, and my family is full of divorce. My great-grandparents were divorced. Uh, my family is full of divorce, but we have an incredible marriage. And the reason we have an incredible marriage is because we follow Jesus. It's as simple as that. When a man and a woman commit both fully and completely to following Jesus, I believe you can have a great marriage. But that's just one reminder, right, of how discipleship works. It really works in our lives. The next building block is relationships. In verses 2 through 3, Paul says something super convicting. He doesn't say in verse 2, be humble. He says, be completely humble. Mm, yeah, mm, that's right. Yeah, it's, oh, man. If we get how God is with us, we can be humble with each other. But not just humble, completely humble. It's actually possible. Paul wouldn't call us to do something we cannot do through the grace of God. But it's the grace of God, right, that teaches us how to really be humble with one another and have these great relationships. And and what a blessing it is when we live out verses 2 through 3 in the church. What a blessing it is to have those kinds of relationships. And they're a huge building block uh, to really build up the church. Verses 4 through 6 talks about doctrine. There's kind of these seven ones that really matter. They're, they're very foundational. Uh, if the body does not have a firm foundation to walk on, it cannot move and it cannot uh, stand. And eventually it does start to wobble. And when our doctrine gets off, we're in trouble of completely falling, uh, you know, away from God himself. And so doctrine is very important. And it's great to see you guys tonight wrestling with some doctrine. Talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about uh, women's roles. That's awesome. That's a very important building block. Verse 7 uh, talks about grace, and specifically it, it actually equates grace to what? What does it say in verse 7? Grace is, is manifested as. In verse 7. you got to look back at your Bible now, not me. It's equated to what? Gifts. Gifts, right? Gifts, yeah. And so uh, different scriptures talk about how you know God has, has graced us with gifts. Romans 12 defines those gifts literally in a list. Uh, and, and it says here in verse 7, who's gifted? We're all gifted. Everyone in the church is gifted. So everyone has been given gifts from God to use to build up his church. And what's interesting about this idea is we often get worldly and we think about our talents. Well, I'm, I'm a good artist, or I'm a, I'm a good singer, but, but the Bible never talks about our talents. It talks about the spiritual gifts God has given us, and those gifts are actually not to be used for myself or for my worldly ambitions. They're actually primarily to be used to build up the body. And so, and so God has gifted us, uh, you know, through His grace, and we can all be used then to build up His church, and that's exciting, and hopefully you know in the West Church, you know, what part what gift you have and how to use that uh, to really build up the body. And that's always something we're working on. Uh, I know in Birmingham we've really been talking a lot about that, trying to get everyone active and everyone involved in the building up of the church. Verse 11 through 12 talks about the next block of leadership. It says Christ has, Christ has set up leadership. But we must trust this, and then we must uh, therefore get equipped. And so I, I love church meetings. We, we only have two midweeks in Birmingham a month for different reasons, uh, and then four Sundays. And so I really, I really, I beg and plead to every brother and sister, please be at every meeting, because every meeting is an opportunity uh, for the church's leadership to equip you. 
So you can, you can fulfill God's destiny in your life. It's not about an attendance sheet and, and someone's going to ask you where you were so you should go. No, it's, it's about building up the body of Christ and God, and, and, and trusting that God has provided leadership to equip us to do just that. Uh, verses 13 to 14 talks about the next block here, unity. Uh, and what's interesting about unity as I studied it, uh, is that it equates unity to maturity over and over throughout uh, this passage. And it's kind of a comical picture. Uh, it talks about, you know, them will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. And so, so it kind of has this picture of, of, you know, initially we're like babies in a boat surrounded by con men. It's not, it's not a good picture at all, but somehow we're supposed to go from that to, to mature men and mature women. And we can often, often focus on unity and look at each other, but really the way we really, we find true unity is we all look to Christ. And the more we all look to Christ and grow closer to Him, the more we, we all are then in tune like a, like a tuning fork. You can, you can tune a hundred pianos all to the same tuning fork and they all have the same notes. In the same way, we start getting fixated on unity. We start looking at each other and we actually are missing the very thing that will bring us together and mature us, which is Christ Himself. Verse 15 talks about another block here. We got two more. Hang in there with me. Um, I'm jet lagged, so if I can handle it, you can too. <laughs> Verse 15, you know, it talks about conversation. It says, we speak the truth in love. And I do want to say, it doesn't say, it doesn't say confrontation. I believe it's talking about conversation. It's funny, we, we can tend to, in the church, err one of two ways. We, some of us are, are great at speaking truth. Man, we can bring it. But there's not a lot of love with it, right? Uh, and then others of us, you know, we're, we're great at loving, but we don't really speak the truth. Uh, and we have to, ha- we have to have both. We have to have both. And we, we've got to start, stop being afraid of having real conversations about real issues. Uh, and we can totally disagree and be pleasant as we do it. Uh, and I appreciate Ken challenging the church here. You know, let's, let's talk about these things. Uh, and, and there's a great way because again, if we get the grace of God, we're going to be gracious toward one another as we don't always see things the same way. Uh, and then verse 16, uh, it talks about work. It says, you know, it says, as each part does its work. What's interesting when you look at this passage is there's no plan B. Yeah. It's not like God is like, oh, well, if the church, if the church can't do it, then therefore, I, no, it, God's plan is he's going to, he's going to work through the church. Jesus didn't, he didn't set up Matthew 28 with an asterisk and in case this doesn't work, there's another way. No, this is it. The church is the plan. So we've got to get to work uh, and to the work that God has prepared for us to do as Ephesians t- chapter 2 verse 10 says he's already prepared the work for us to do. And so these are, these are eight materials, if you will, eight materials uh, that God has already provided and wants to really develop and amplify in, in the West LA church here that God can really use to build each of you up individually. And as we, you know, add on that brick by brick individually, then we start to build this, this wall and we start to really build the church, spiritually speaking, into what God wants it to be. And the thing about these eight materials here as we close out is, as you can see here, they're all connected. They're all connected. My illustration doesn't quite show that, but, but the human body itself, right, it's all connected. And when something gets disconnected, that's, that's not good. That's not good at all. And uh, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about this and other chapters um, in the New Testament. And, you know, if we're missing, if we're missing one of these, we're, we don't, you know, we, we, we have great relationships, but we don't, we don't have good conversations where, you know, we're, we're limping around. Yeah, right. 
we're, we're hopping on one foot and, and, our, and, and we're not going to be able to really be, you know, the body that we need to be. My dad recently in Ohio, he's had his, his, his second of two hips replaced. So he's had both of his hips replaced. Uh, he's, he's 67 and, uh, but now he's got a really bad knee. Why does he have a bad knee? Well, because his knee was compensating for his hips that weren't working properly. So now he might have to get his, his knee replaced. And, and it's, it's also true in the church. When we don't, when we don't take care of all these things and work hard at all these things, we start to get imbalanced. And when we start to get imbalanced, we start to, to, to wobble and not be what we need to be. All of it matters. You know, cause, cause it's all connected. You know, wh- which is more important? You know, it's all connected and it all matters. Which is more important? Doctrine's at the center right now. That's just because of the, the way I went through the text. But you could put leadership in the center. You could put conversation in the center. You could put life in the center. Some, sometimes different things matter more in different moments. Sometimes, you know, our right spiritual arm is stronger than our left spiritual arm. So we need to work out our left spiritual arm a little bit extra. So maybe we need to focus more on unity right now instead of life. You know, we're all at different places it's all connected. It all matters. Uh, and then finally here, it's all from God. You know, who is the head of this body? It's, it's Jesus himself. And the church is God's perfect plan for imperfect people. And so it's a messy process. And the, and the body needs to be constantly bathed and washed in the blood of Christ or it starts to smell real fast. Uh, you know, but, but it, it's, a messy, it's a messy process. But we, we've got to trust God in that process. And sometimes the, the, the mess actually points us back to, to God himself. Because we realize that, that despite our weaknesses and our challenges, there's no way we can really be this body without God at the center. And if we overreact to the struggles and the ups and downs, we start to get a problem with some of these things. Or we start to try to reshape them or even make them, make, make them no longer significant. But that's, that's me. That's me taking the onus in the body myself rather than accepting what God's already made it. And that's a very dangerous thing. At some point when I start to, to try to reshape these things or make these things into what I think they need to be, I'm actually fighting God. Yeah. I'm not fighting the local church. I'm actually fighting God himself. And I don't think any of us wants to do that. Amen. You know, bodybuilding. Bodybuilding. It's about healthy people, healthy families, and, and a healthy church. It's about each one of us, and it's about all of us yeah. Yeah. collectively uh, as the church body. Bodybuilding is a, a wonderful and difficult thing to do. But again, you are plan A. There is no plan B. You know, in, in, in the west side of LA, if it's not going to be you guys that are going to do this, who's going to do it? Right. If this is not the time now to build this body up more and more, when is the time going to be? There's nobody, nobody without the head. No, I don't, you know, they've done a lot of great, amazing things through medicine, but I've yet to hear of a head transplant. I don't think they've done that one yet. They might do a face, you know, some skin, but they, they haven't done a head transplant yet. I don't, anybody, I, I don't think that's happened yet, even at UCLA. And, and so, you know, we, we need the head desperately to build this body. We need to stay connected to Jesus more than anything else. And as I said, the more we focus on Him, the more we, we get that strength. The more we, we grow, the more we, we become all these different parts and pieces uh, that we need to be. And so we've got to stay focused on Jesus uh, as, as we continue to grow as a church. An article I read recently as we close out here emphasizes, I think, the beauty that can occur if we bodybuild with Jesus as the head. Uh, it goes like this. At a meeting... Of the American Psychological Association, Jack Lipton, a psychologist at Union College, and R. Scott Bullion, a graduate student at Columbia University, presented their findings on how members of the various sections of 11 major symphony symphony orchestras perceived each other. 
The percussionists were viewed as insensitive, unintelligent, and hard of hearing, yet fun-loving. String players were seen as arrogant, stuffy, and unathletic. The orchestra members overwhelmingly chose loud as the primary objective uh, adjective to describe the brass players. Woodwind players seemed to be held in the highest esteem, described as quiet and meticulous, though a bit egotistical. Interesting findings, the article says, to say the least. With such widely divergent personalities and perceptions, it asks, how could an orchestra ever come together to make such wonderful music? The answer is simple. Regardless of how those musicians view each other, they subordinate their feelings and biases to the leadership of the conductor. Under his guidance, they play beautiful music. You know, Jesus, he's our conductor. And he has set us up. But it is not set. We must choose to, to follow the baton and follow his lead. And we already have the motivation through the grace of God. We, we already had the materials in place. And so I want to encourage you tonight, as we are in Birmingham, you know, here, here in West LA, to, to learn more and more under Jesus' Lordship to play beautiful music. I, I can, I can hear it tonight. You know, I, I can see it, you know, being lived out. Uh, and bodybuilding is where we get to really do that more and more and more. Uh, it's been great, uh, to be with you. I hope, uh, you can think about, uh, the grace of God and your motivation tonight. I hope you can think about, uh, you know, those materials and which ones might be things you need to focus on in your own life. And that through that, uh, individually and collectively, you guys can continue to build up, uh, the body here in this, in this wonderful part of Los Angeles. You guys live in a great place here. Uh, it's been great, great to see it. Um, and, uh, please keep us in Birmingham in your prayers. Uh, we are, we are really striving, uh, you know, not, not to push every member in the church forward, but to, but to really pull every member in the church forward, uh, through this process of bodybuilding. And we're excited to see what God is doing through it. Uh, and I hope somehow, uh, tonight, uh, what we're doing there, uh, can encourage you in some way. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, Uh, Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.